All right, everybody, welcome in. It is the Holy Grail BCJ happy hour. It is uh, Friday night after our matinee 4 p.m. Friday tip off, which was actually kind of delightful because I was home by like 7.45 on a Friday night game. Which, uh, it's an inconvenience, but end result, not too bad. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati pulls out a, uh, an impressive 91-71 win over uh, Tulane. I'll make sure I get it right. I, I of course, got them mixed up in my final post-game tweet and called them Tulsa because they're one and the same. Who cares? <laughs> Uh, but the big story from tonight, obviously, the performance of the young guys over the final 10 minutes of the game. They take a, uh, a one-point game and turn it into uh, a blowout. And we saw a lot of good things today. Career highs for Jeremiah Davenport, for Tari Eason, for Mike Saunders. Uh, a lot of guys got involved. A lot of guys were productive. And uh, I'm listening to a. Uh, it was it was uh, overall a, a really good night for the Bearcats. Situation and circumstances have been tough, but this team continues to find a way to overcome. They are now six and one since the 25 day COVID pause. Uh, so six of seven, they've won seven of their last nine. If you go back to uh, the SMU game, played a lot of games on the road. And uh, this team's been through hell and back, and they're still somehow managing to find some ways to uh, to win games, not against Houston. We're trying to forget that that one uh, even happened six days ago or whatever it was. But uh, what can you do? Um Let's get it started. If, you, if you've got questions, if you've got a point you want to make, something you want to talk about, just uh, unmute yourself and fire away, and uh, we will go from there. Um, I think I would start off with – I don't think there's ever been a uh, <laughs> – I didn't see that coming season like we've, what we've seen from Jeremiah Davenport. Yes, there has been some inconsistencies. Uh, yes, he's had some up and some downs uh, in terms of his overall point production. But, but this kid right before our eyes, Bear agrees, right Bear? This kid right before our eyes is becoming a leader, is becoming kind of the, the heartbeat of this program. And when you're dealing with the situation that, that UC is dealing with, which is you know, going through a coaching change and, and going through a roster uh, that basically flipped, you need somebody to step up and, and become kind of that, the, the, the rock of your foundation. And after last year, which we didn't see him much, he, he tore his MCL twice. Uh, he missed most of the preseason. He missed a good chunk of the season. Uh, and boy, <laughs> I did not see Jeremiah Davenport coming uh, in, in terms of what he has meant to this team from start to finish. I mean, he, he's been right at the forefront of this thing from the start of the year. And yeah, things weren't good for a while, but you could always look at Jeremiah Davenport, the way he plays, how much it means to him, I think 
you know, stands out more than anything else. This is a kid that you can tell, like his heart is in every second of every game. Might not be going well for him. He might not be hitting from three or, or whatever the case may be, but um, it has been really impressive to, to see this kid step up. And I think you can tell with him more than anything because of his ties to the city. Like he knows what UC basketball means to the city. He knows what it means to him. And he simply wasn't going to uh, allow this to get away from him. He, he wasn't, you know, not on my watch kind of thing. The, this program's not going to fall off while I'm on the ship. And uh, it's been really cool to watch for him. So th- that's been really good to see. Uh, and looking forward to the next two years. I don't know how you can't be just really excited to see where Jeremiah Davenport's career goes uh, between now and, and the end of his time at Cincinnati. So that would be my main takeaway from today. Uh, 27 points, five, re- five rebounds, five assists. Uh, more, but more importantly, there was in the middle of that, early in that kind of early in that second half when, they gave up the lead and, and their energy looked a little low and they looked like a team that was short on bodies. Davenport was screaming at dudes and it, it wasn't, that wasn't when the young lineup was in that the, there were Keith and boat and there were guys, there were the older guys in there and they responded to him. And that's when you start to see leadership like really emerge, really start to take over is when a kid's manding the huddle in the middle of a game in a second half where things are kind of starting to slip away, they fell down by what, three or five points um, early in that second half. You had a guy playing out of his absolute mind in Jalen Forbes. And Davenport was the guy that, that pulled that team together. And it wasn't shortly thereafter that, that they went on a run and, and blew Tulane out of the water. So um, I think that would be my main, my main takeaway. Oh yeah, he's, he's like got... he's like the Ted Lasso of the team. You know, <laughs> you know he is. Yeah. You know, it's just he takes charge. He gets he's just the heart of the team right now. I was also so glad to see Tari Eason have a super game. I mean, he didn't miss a shot. He had what thirteen boards, zero turnovers. I mean, that was that's his career game so far. That, yeah, and he did it in a variety of ways. He was blocking. I mean, look how Locking bad shots, was that? Yeah. How bad was that foul call on the chase down block? Oh yeah, Ron Hunter was not having it, man. He was so fired up about that. It was it was completely clean. It was there, there was and could you imagine? Can you imagine being an official going to the monitor to look at that as an intentional foul, watching the video and going. Uh, yeah, so he didn't touch him, not with the body, not with the hip, not with the, the the block at the top. He just blocked the kid so bad, the kid crumpled in a heap. There was a, a Tony Green. Ugh. I didn't even know. I've never heard the other two. Heard of the other two guys? That sometimes that's a good thing because you get guys that are actually pretty quality. I didn't. I didn't think that was a very good crew, but fortunately, it didn't matter. Uh, even though it was what I. At that point, on that chase down block, it was what eight to one in fouls. Eight eight second half fouls for Cincinnati. One second half foul for for Tulane in a game where 
they fouled what 12 times in the, for 10, 12 times in the first half. Second half, they just stopped fouling. Sure, sure. Um, no, Tari, Tari was outstanding. And for him, it's it's all confidence and understanding how to use his immense talents in a game like that. He had, you know, that that's that's not a two-lane team that has a lot of size, which kind of plays into his strengths because we've seen the teams when, when he's been playing the five, the team that, that he has to guard much bigger dudes, dudes that have 25, 30 pounds on him. It's, it's a struggle for him at this point, but when he can play a team like that, that doesn't have a decided like size or length advantage on him, he murdered him on the glass. He blocked shots. He was active around the rim. He hit a three. He made a couple great passes um, he, he really had a, especially that final 10 minute stretch. He was the most dominant player on the floor, uh, for UC through that, through that period. So <clears throat> that was, uh, it was definitely a lot of fun to watch from Tari to see, see, I think we all know from what we've seen from him so far that he has that type of talent that he has that, you know, the, the stuff that we saw from, from Gary Clark when Gary was a freshman. Where it's like, this dude is different than, you know, one of these things is not like the others. And uh, those games like tonight, especially, I don't know if, I don't know if it's coincidence or not. His mom surprised him tonight. They, they flew in from the West Coast. Uh, they got there in the second half. And then all of a sudden, he has the best half of his life. <laughs> coincidence, maybe. Depends on when he found out that mom... Uh, made it to the arena for this one. But the fun, I saw him and I'm not sure. Maybe it was a cousin or uh, one of the staffers kids. He was out there during the post game uh, playing pickup with, it couldn't have been more than like a a seven-year-old and then rebounding for him and, and, you know, messing around and, and having some fun with the kid. And you can tell that kid's bought in. That, that kid wants to be great. Um, he's just not quite all the way there yet, which is a freshman. That's life of a freshman. And nights like tonight, though, you, you get to you get to look forward and see uh, what kind of ultimate long term potential he has. Hold on one second. All right. Bear, Bear wants to host the podcast tonight. So, buddy, sorry. Not to <laughs> uh, The other, Mason Madsen. What a what a revelation oh, yeah. that kid has been over the past couple weeks. I mean, He's, since... Uh... Look, I told you guys, did I not tell you guys over and over again that that kid, one, had game, and two was more college ready than his than his brother and he's showing up two hours early pregame getting in the work he wants to win yeah that, that's a kid that and, and and this is just something that that nerdy basketball me uh sees and pays attention to he does when he comes out because i usually get there about two hours before the game um he not only shoots but he does the the Steve Nash two ball drills 
I don't know if you're familiar, if you've seen those. It's basically dribbling, mimicking with your right and your left hand what you're doing. Going forward, going side to side, going backwards. He's as good at that as anybody I've seen at UC. I mean, they used to do those religiously in practice. And you name it, Cashmere Wright, Troy Copain. Um, anybody you can think of, Justin Jennifer, those guys were not as good as those ball handling drills as Mason Mads. That, that's a kid that just lives basketball and he's got confidence, right? Like you're not telling him there's a bad shot on the floor. I, 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 Superman couldn't have caught that alley-oop he threw. Tatari. Oh man, that was ridiculous. But John's like, what are you doing? He's like, ah, that would that would have been sweet if we made it. Like, that would have been sweet if we get it connected, coach. Like, I, I he was Tari was open. He was he just didn't put any touch on it. He he threw it like a missile, right? Uh, like a Fucking foot above the square. There's to... nothing Tari could have done to have caught that and dunked it, but and you know, we saw that with Mikey Saunders the other night, uh, with that long uh attempted lob he tried to throw to, to Tari. Apparently, they all just think Tari is like 11 feet tall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking, of, uh, speaking of Saunders, it was nice to see him get extended play and come through. I mean, he had a good game. He, he did, and he's, he's getting Very comfortable. Solid. He's getting confident. Um, I saw him pregame. I guess it would have been um, what was the last home game? Jeez. Feels like every game is on the road. Yeah, really? um, the pre-game for the last home game. No, totally. Uh, he he made like fourteen three in a row <laughs> in warmups, and I'm like, that's it's not something we normally see from Mikey. Uh, and then it's three in a row. He's got one, and he's got a, a three and three games in a row. Keith, what's up, brother? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, three three games in a row. He's starting to play with more confidence. He's he's attacking the rim now with more confidence. Um, he's not looking to just be a, a ball mover. He's looking to be a guy that can make an impact. And uh, I think with with DeJulius out for you know what we assume is the rest of the season, this is big for Mikey and his development to get a chance to kind of to kind of be the guy uh, that runs the show here for a couple of days. And his, his brain seems to have slowed down just a little bit, you know, where he's seeing things a little more, not just like, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. Could you imagine being that fast? Oh, no. <laughs> no. I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it, it's something to see that kid. I've actually, the, if you look at uh, Brian Baker, uh, who's our photographer. If you look him up on Twitter, lacking focus photography, I retweet everything uh, that he puts up during the games. Um, his hair, like his, his body, his hair can't keep up with his body. It looks like yeah, the curls. Right. It looks like in the pictures, it looks like the curls have straightened out when he's, when he's in downhill motion. So it's been really good to see him right, yeah. get it together. It's time to see somebody that can, that can run faster than I can without a basketball. And he's got a basketball, you know? <laughs> he he can move. I don't know if I'd call it elite oh, speed. Oh, that's funny. 
But the key is definitely he's got some wheels. Well, I think the key, if you're playing with that speed, is playing at that speed with basketball instincts. In other words, you're not running into the lane completely out of the control. You have no right. idea where the ball's going to go. It's it. There's getting, there needs to be a purpose there with that speed, and I think we saw glimpses of that tonight. Right, well, exactly. I think the 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 proper basketball terminology for what you're talking about is he needs to play with speed, but mm-hmm. do a better job playing with pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because it it can't just be foot to you know gas pedal to the floor. There's yep. got to be some nuance to it to where teams are uncomfortable because if they know you're just going to, you know, slam the the foot on the gas, they can kind of prepare for that. It's like a, a pitcher that throws 102, but it's straight down the middle every time. Right. You know exactly like what to prepare for. And I think you're starting to see a little of that nuance from Mikey's game where he's not just, you know, foot slammed to the floor. Um, so, and that's, you know, that's going to continue to, uh, to help him in the long run as he, uh, as he adjusts. But I mean, over the past three games, he's made an incredible leap in his progression to where, you know, probably three or four games ago, you looked and thought, man, he, he's, he still looks like things are moving too fast. Like the game is moving too fast for him. Uh, and all of a sudden here over the last last three or four games, it looks like it's starting to click and he's starting to figure out how to use uh, that ability to help them out. What else you got, Keith? You wanted this bad boy. You you requested it. We'll and let you co-host I today. Think, and my wife and I had season tickets the past two years. And I think I could easily say the last 10 minutes of game time tonight might have been the most enjoyable entertaining basketball I have witnessed either in person or on TV from UC. There was a flow. There was an intensity. There was a purpose. There was five guys genuinely having fun on the floor. Yep. They didn't have to worry about looking to the bench to be yanked the minute they made There wasn't the nobody on the bench. <laughs> there wasn't nobody on the bench to call to. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it showed – and I don't want to read too much into this because let's be honest, it was Tulane. But it's it's one game, but it showed a lot of potential. And Eason, I think, played with a freedom that we have not seen all season long that shows how good he can really be. I mean, well, some of the shots he threw up there, he walked away from the basket, threw his arms up and said, I have no idea how that got in. <laughs> the one off the backboard at the end of the shot clock was like, uh, I think you might have got away with one there, Tari. <laughs> I think but you might have got away with one there. He showed some defensive intelligence. In other words, I mean, in previous games, he was like a foul machine. But tonight, yeah. He, somehow find, found some discipline to be aggressive but not be a foul machine. I think the biggest thing is he was in position. Yeah. Like, uh, that's what was the, what has been killing him is he's been out of position and then trying to make up that position with his athleticism, which leads to a lot of fouls. 
Right. And most of the time tonight, he didn't have to overextend. He wasn't, you know, trying to make up for um, not being where he was supposed to be or, or not having mm-hmm. rotated early enough. Um, he just had a really good flow to his game tonight. And I look, his biggest problem since the return has been the fouls without question. I mean, it right. feels like he's at a, a foul a minute pace or somebody the other night was like, why, why, you know, first half, why have we not seen Tari? So he had two fouls in four minutes. What, right. what, what really can you like expect the kid to do when he's fouling at that clip? And tonight we didn't see that. We saw him play a little bit more controlled. I don't know if it was the knowledge of being down to eight guys uh, or, you know, I, I'm sure that the staff talked about that, that look, we, <laughs> we can't, be a foul machine, even though they kind of were, uh, we have to be cognizant of, we got to get this thing to the finish line with as many guys on the court as possible. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think anybody predicted the law firm would be in action tonight. I love that comment, by the way, (laughs) the law firm of cook Martin and banks. I, 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 you know, I, I, I thought about making a, a joke about, Cook and Martin representing Banks because his name is Rob Banks. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to put that on Rob, so I just added him into the law firm. Uh, but you know, it was, it's uh, it's. I know everybody gets so caught up in in the minute to minute stuff, and it's and it's easy to get caught up into that and to get caught up into what happened at Houston being a catastrophic result. Right, but and I and I've talked about this on the BBP. I talked about it on uh, the the BCJ pod. What was more important, much more important to me than what happened at Houston was what happened against Tulsa and Tulane. Yeah, and especially down fifteen to three at Tulsa, we could be we wouldn't be having this Zoom right now because I wouldn't want to listen to it. If it if oh, they gave in and they didn't pack it in, no, they fought back. There, there were guys that you know. The big thing for me is what we're starting to see now are spurts from different guys. Like, and I'm not comparing this team to those teams, but if you go back to the 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 Gary, Jake, Jaron, Kyle Washington year. Mm-hmm. There, there were, there were always like okay, in this in this six minute stretch, it was Kyle, and then Jaron went off for five minutes, and then Gary, you know, took over because the defense shifted to Kyle, and you could tell as the opposing team was adjusting on what to take away, there was always an answer, right. And you're starting to see that a little bit more. Like if you go to Tulsa, you saw Keith got it going a little bit when it, when it was 15 to three, I think he had five straight points and it stabilized that took it to 15 to five or 15 to 10 uh, because there was a Micah Adams woods tip in uh, on a Keith layup that went off the front of the rim. So Keith was kind of responsible for all first 10 of those points. Then Mason got hot. And then in the second half, when Tulsa was trying to make a run at him, Jeremiah hit three threes. 
And then Keith became that passer after that because things, the floor started to open up. And now they're, they're closing out hard on Mason and they're closing out hard on Davenport. And they're, Keith is, is playing the reactions and has a career high six assists. And then you saw it again tonight. You know, Jeremiah was super hot early to match Forbes. And then Mason had that stretch. And then Tari gets hot. And then, you know, you just you're starting to, to see these things piece themselves together. And for me, I think that's like the really difficult part of see, like seeing the forest through the trees, seeing this team as it develops and not being caught up in uh, so much of the, the, the minutia, but understanding, OK, this this team is realizing they're taking Mason away. Like, okay, Mason hits three threes against Tulsa. And the defense completely adjusts to Mason. You can hear, if you go back and listen, you can hear the coaches from Tulsa on the bench shouting, shooter, shooter, like every time the ball was, was getting ready to rotate back to his side. And then you, and you play off of that and you attack that. And that's what we haven't, we didn't see enough of early in the year. They were so reliant on, okay, Keith is playing well, so we've got to run everything through Keith. Or mm-hmm. David is making some shots, so we got to run everything through David. What happens is eventually those guys cool off a little bit. And then you're in a, a rut where you get outscored 17 to nothing because you've only got one real plan of attack. Mm-hmm. And now it's spreading around, and now it's becoming a little bit more contagious and now you're seeing these other guys play with confidence. John wouldn't answer my question on this today because he did the right, you know, he's not going to throw a kid under the bus, but Mike Saunders was not playing with confidence offensively for a large part of, of this season so far. He was not, you know, that when the ball would move to him and he had an open shot, he was not looking to take it. He was not looking to step into that thing and take the shot. When he got downhill and got to the rim, he was not looking to go up and finish. He was looking to get it to somebody else. He was looking to be a guy that moves the ball. All of a sudden, Mikey's playing with more confidence, and Mikey looks good playing with more confidence. Everybody looks good playing with more confidence. Um, and that's that's one of the big differences that I've seen uh, over the past couple games. Um, Connor. Uh, the most encouraging thing is that Brandon's guys are playing well in Brandon's offense. So the future is bright with this crew and this crew, no matter who he brings in uh, this off season, takes some of the pressure to bring crazy talent transfers, late recruiting. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, it's going to be a wild uh, March, April, May. Uh, trust me on that one. Um, but the, the most important thing for me was always to get to the end of this off season with a core for the future. Yep. And David's going to be back. You've got Davenport. You've got Mike Adams Woods. You've got Tari. You've got Mason. You've got Mikey starting to come on. And then all of a sudden things start to look a little bit, uh, look a little bit different when you're looking down the road on, can this team compete? Maybe they're not to Houston's level yet. And they're not, but look around the rest of this league. How many more guys are you taking over the young talent that's on this roster? And maybe a couple guys from Memphis, 
maybe a couple of the guys from SMU. But this team is every bit as talented as the rest of this league. Yep. I agree. Anybody it, else? Go ahead. It, it's, it's a positive feedback loop that yields tremendous results. You saw a team in the last 10 minutes playing with a tremendous amount of confidence, even when they made a mistake, they didn't get their heads down. They're like, fine, we'll take the ball. We're going to take it right back down here. We're going to score again. And that'll be the end of whatever mini run Tulane is threatening to make. It, 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 it was just so damn refreshing to see this group of guys put the pedal on the floor and blow somebody out. Just like, don't let the other team breathe. And it, it was all five guys. It's not don't let a guy. don't it's let a five guys. Right. Don't let an eight point lead become a one point lead in 90 seconds. Yes. We've seen more than enough of that, including at Tulsa, which. Whew, this this was, was the first time all year they took that eight point lead and took it, took it to a 20 point lead. I think yeah. The yep. First time all year. Now, now were, were Keith and Vote, did they foul out or did they both just have four <laughs> fouls? Because they, 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 both got, they both got four, and that was uh, – And then, they, then they had to go young, but then the young guys sort of took control, and they, yeah. there was really not a need to bring the older guys back in. No, I mean – refreshing. It was actually Justin and Williams and I were joking at the – it was like five-minute mark. I was like, do you go, you know, you're up, I think they were up 13 or something at that point in time. It's like, do you, do you go back to the, to the veterans? I was like, no, no, I think you just ride this one out until you get to the, uh, till you get to the, the walk-ons. Now, how so many I, minutes did, how many minutes did vote play to get his four fouls? Not many, right? Uh, About 10. Have, 12 minutes. 10, 10, 12 A couple minutes? of those calls were, were pretty bogus. In his defense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. True. But. Same with Keith. I mean, I thought he got a couple bad whistles as well. Um, but they happened. And they happened. And so it was after the under four timeout when he came back out with all the freshmen and sophomores. I was like, all right, he's riding with them. I, I like yeah. it. That's that's when, like, Justin and I were talking about it at the, about the five-minute mark of when you go into this under four timeout, do you come back out with the with the old guys? Answer was nope. These are we're we're riding with the horse that got us here, and riding to the finish line. And impressively, they did. I mean, that, it, it's hard to believe. Like that was a close game with ten minutes left. It, it was back. It's a forth. close game with they, they, with nine twenty six left. It was tied sixty two sixty two. Yeah, uh, partially off the back of Forbes, who was unconscious. There's always one every game, it feels like, doesn't it, from the other team? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Some guy who just seems like, well, I'm just going to throw it up from half court. It's going to go in. I when, mean, that when, guy's a good scorer. But when he, when he made that shot, when he was behind the backboard, yeah. fading away, falling out of bounds, I texted my buddies and said that was an FU shot because it's like, what else can you do? You know, he, he throws it up, he makes it. Nephew, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say about that. That was just one of those like he couldn't miss all night, and then he actually did miss his last couple three point attempts from from way way out. He he had a bit of a heat check, but up until that point, he was unconscious. 
And well, I, I mean, think, he, go ahead, Keith. Well, I think I was telling my wife while we were watching the game. And granted, I don't ever want UC to play dirty, but I was thinking to myself, somebody needs to show him a little physicality the next time he rides into the lane to say, you know what? Yeah, you're hot, but we're not, you know, we've had enough of this. And I think after he went down on that tire. Yeah, he got hit hard. He, after that, he was ice cold. It was like, that's it. You know, he got shown the floor. It was a clean foul. There was nothing dirty about it. But after that. Tari told him you should have, you should have stayed out at about 25 feet where we couldn't stop you. (laughs) You came in here and with the big boys and you got, you got put down a little bit, but how fun was that little first half stretch where Forbes and Davenport were just throwing daggers at each other. And how fun is it to see the confidence in Davenport to, Stare down a guy that's hit four or five in a row from each, each like mm-hmm. each increasing in difficulty. And Jeremiah's like, Hold on, hold on, bring, bring the ball this way. I got this. And it was, uh, was what say. he's become from this year from last year is just amazing. I, I mean, I always thought he's an energy guy, we all thought probably thought that, but what he's brought this year has been incredible. That's what year. I said to open the show. I, I, I've not, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a guy make a more unexpected jump than the jump he has made from, you know, and, and maybe we would have seen it last year without the knee injury, or the two knee injuries. Um, but he, he struggled so much through all of that last year just to get to 100%, to get to be able to be mm-hmm. on the floor that we, we saw him as, you know, uh, a combo forward version of Justin Jackson, a guy that, that Justin, if you really look for three years, Justin was just an energy guy. He, he wasn't a, a primary contributor to the success of those teams. And Jeremiah just skipped like four steps. He skipped to a senior level, Justin Jackson. Yeah, and I, one of the, one of, one of the best shooters it. in the league. Hey, he's a Mueller kid. Jump. He's from Mueller, man. You got to expect that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> he's got heart. He's got heart. You know, the jump he made, it, it, it's, the, it's like what you see guys make from their junior to senior year under Mick and sometimes sometimes under Huggins. But he's done it from his freshman to sophomore year. It's been, it's been impressive. I mean, his stat, and like I said, I mean, you look at his stat line night, 38 minutes, 10 of 16 from the field, four of seven from three, five boards, five assists, 27 points, and only two fouls. I mean, that's, that's senior. That's good. I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> that's uh, what's that? Was Titus, Titus Rubles on senior night? <laughs> Funny. I keep waiting, to, waiting for him to kind of come back. And he oh, had, he yeah. Keep- pushing pushing forward i'm like he, he's got to be legit you know i mean it's at this point you gotta you gotta take think he's gonna be a scorer going forward for you he's had he's had several games where he's confidently put up threes and made threes mm-hmm. it, it hasn't been just one or two games it's been eight nine ten games where he he's shooting it with confidence and and few of them are dropping so it, it's he, he has irrational confidence yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> he doesn't. His confidence does not waver. He's a kid that if he goes over six, he's taking number seven 
with the same confidence he took number one. Mm. So he's fun to watch, man. It, it, it's really fun to see that kid living out his dream because you can instantly tell how much playing for Cincinnati means to him. Like yeah. there was a point, there was a point tonight and I don't think it got caught on camera. So you would have had to have been there. And I mentioned it on, on Twitter at the time, but there was a stoppage in play. It was a timeout. I, I don't remember if it was the under, it might've been the under eight when they bumped it up to, they had bumped it up to nine and they go into the timeout and he ran all the way to the opposite corner of where the Cincinnati huddle is. And he's giving it the full, like, you know, getting the crowd into it where it's, it's amazing how much just an extra couple hundred people really do make mm -hmm. such a difference in the volume. But he was like, finally like able to like relish like with the people of Cincinnati uh, some success. And you could tell like how much that means to that kid. And that's, yeah. It, that's something that let's be honest, see it in the football program, right? Those kids that are playing for the city and Jeremiah very much giving that to the basketball program right now, which is just a blast. And you're right, Jason. I, I we glossed over him in the season preview podcast. Yeah. Glossed over him. Like, yeah, he'll yeah. be a good energy guy. He'll, he'll, he'll give you a spark here and there. Uh, not irreplaceable frontline starter that looks like, you know, the, the leader of the team into 2023. Completely if you would have predicted that. Boring. Yeah. If you would have predicted that, good on you. Not even Brent, yep. who's the most optimistic yeah. person on the planet, uh, build, build Jeremiah Davenport for this role in his junior season yeah. or sophomore season sorry and i guess technically freshman see it like it i don't know <laughs> he, get, he gets to do it again yeah. <laughs> if he wants yep. we'll see how much playing for the city means to him in 2024 right <laughs> <laughs> yep that's why I said that. evan mahaffey and maybe paul mcmillan get those two guys in in the 22 class Keep keep the hometown hero thing going in basketball. Paul's going to be tough because I just don't know how much allegiance they're really like. I know his dad like is big in the city, yeah. but none of the schools here recruited him. You know, there 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 isn't that specific tie. So yeah, reading. I don't Snow, know. Snow's tea leaves seem to point towards Louisville. So, but. We got time, hopefully, maybe, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, th they have had a good relation. His dad has a, had a good relationship with uh, with with Paul Senior for a long time. So yeah. that one's going to be tough. Mahaffey, I think that would be that another Molar kid. Yeah, those kids know how to win, man. Yep. Those Miles, kids know. Yeah, Miles McBride, JD. Yep. Credit to credit to Huggins on that one. He took the blind faith. He, he took the word of Carl Kramer and treated it as gospel because nobody had seen that kid play for a while. He was hurt. Mm. And, and Kramer told him, look, this kid's a winner. You want him? Hugs said, all right. I'm sure, you know, they were probably eight beers deep somewhere. 
uh, when that conversation <laughs> happened. But, <laughs> but Hugs took his word. And it, look, where would West Virginia be without Miles McBride right now? Because that yeah. kid is the best player on their team without question. So there, there's a couple big ones coming up in the future that, that it would be nice to, uh, to hit on locally. And I, it, it's a nice bullet in the gun to put Jer- the Jeremiah Davenport tape on right now and say, see what this kid's getting to do right now? Like, that, that can be you. And with yeah. a smile on his face. If not yeah. a crazy scream, one yeah. of the two. He seems very happy out there. Yeah, very enthusiastic. That's why I was so mad the other day when all the the rumors and the nonsense started. Like, that's wrong to put that on that kid. I'm sorry. I I listened to some of that, and and I I can see some of it. But when they mentioned uh, J.D., I was like, "Mm, I don't don't see that. He just he's got a love and passion for wanting to play here. Yeah, I'm with you, Joe. I didn't – I was kind of like, where did this come from? Some of the other ones, maybe, and I, and I hope not, you know, I really hope not. Um, but when they mentioned him, I was like, well, that one seems kind of far-fetched. I don't know. Didn't make a whole lot of sense. And, and I just think it's not fair to put that on the kid, to, to have him have to have people around town asking him those questions because people talk. It ain't a big city, right? Especially the basketball community in Cincinnati. It ain't real big. No, um, I just didn't think it was uh, I didn't think it was a, a good look to put that on him, especially for a kid that has shown no signs of being anything other than, you know, 100 percent committed. And but, coming from Fox, too, he did. He didn't ever seem kind of reckless before. Like, I mean, I didn't get that from him before. Yeah. B Fox and I had a heated conversation that <laughs> night. I, I still love B Fox, but. Uh, he didn't disagree with my, my stance, but we talked it out. That's what, that's what grown men do. Right. Yep. Yep. He's, he's a lawyer. He thought he was going to run me over. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to be concerned about, you know, legitimately you got, you got players leaving. We don't always know why, you know, COVID certainly a factor. And then you have this curb stopping by Houston, you know, you know, there, there are signs where it's like, oh, crap, well, what, what's what's happening with the program? Um, even before the, uh, of course, two, you know, Tulsa, Tulane, whoever they played the other night, one of the two, I texted my buddies and said, it's the same. All right, let's let's see, are, you know, are they going to, is this, are they going to fight and keep going? Or are they giving up on the season? Well, they showed, they showed some fight after the slow start, came back. Got a tough one on the road, and they, they definitely shared some fight tonight. They showed some togetherness, a lot of togetherness. So yeah. po- positives after a lot of negatives. Well, I think that that's the main thing, right, Joe, though, coming out of Houston. If you can keep things in perspective, yeah, the Houston situation was ugly. But you wanted to see going forward for the final five games, is this team together? And we have two games of evidence. We still have three to go. And – who knows with Memphis and SMU, both of those teams are, are talented. This Cincinnati team now is, is depleted at best. Um, but from these two games, I didn't see any indication of a team that had packed it in. Their body language is good. And then at least these next two or three are at home with a thousand next fans two. in the stands next two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to at least maybe get them a little more energized as well. So we'll see. 
Well, I think yeah. the big thing I saw tonight was a lot of smiles on a lot of players' faces, and they they were engaged, they were committed, they were having fun. Um, it and granted, you know, being such being on a hell of a run that last ten minutes helps a lot, but I never saw the oh shit here we again. go again. Or, Again, Keith, I mean, they had an opportunity in that second half to fold. Oh, yeah. Right? Because because Tulane comes out. Forbes is still throwing in anything he threw at the rim. They go down. What? I think three was the most they went down in the second half. But But you go down three on a team that looks like they're starting to play a little bit better than you. Right. And, and you don't buck, you don't buckle under it. You don't allow that to become. And what did we see early in the season? We saw situations like that where that three point, you know, the, the tide turns and, and your two point lead becomes their three point lead. And that five Oh run becomes a 14, two run. Yep. And now you're yep. down seven or eight. And, and that's how they ended up in those situations where with six minutes left, they're down 12. And they have to like frantically try to scramble and, and claw back into the game. And instead, and Kerry Hoffman's pointed this out a couple times uh, over the past, uh, since the return from COVID, they're playing with leads now. Yeah. More so than, you know, like that first Tulsa game, they never had a lead in that first Tulsa game. And Tulsa led for 33 minutes. It was tied for the other seven. UC led for 0.0 seconds in the game. And then Tulsa this time at their place on senior night, UC led for like 25, 26 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was after starting out down 15 to three. Um, so you're just seeing, yeah, that was, that was a really odd game. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the ugliest start to a, UC basketball game I have ever seen. That was just, oh God. Sorry. Hey. Well, especially coming, no, coming off of Houston, it was like, oh man. Uh, And they might have held that lead more towards the end too, if uh, you know they weren't sending Tulsa to the free throw line so much. Yeah, missing their own free and and missing their own free throws as well. You know, they make they make five six more free throws. Maybe they got a five or six point cushion at the end instead of the craziness that. That happened. But you you want to talk from Chad's perspective? The way things were, the way the climate was after Houston, you get a nine o'clock tip off in Tulsa. <laughs> My wife has treatment in the morning the next day. So I, I've got to be up early. And they go down 15 to three and just look like dog shit. And I'm I like. I'm like, uh, I, I can't do this. <laughs> I, 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 I can't do not tonight. I can't do this. This is, I can't deal with the, the board imploding on itself uh, once again. So when Mason Madsen got hot and started hammering threes, there was nobody more excited than me. Thank you, Jesus. And, and you yeah, know what? He, he is really, you know, he looked comfortable in some of the early games and he's really, he brings a lot on both sides. He gets beat on defense sometimes still, but he some he still gets pretty good defensive position, and he's really good at, at, at the digs and just causing a little bit of a activity that that you know 
gets his hand in there, causes a loose ball, leads to a fast break. And, uh, you know, when you do that, play, try to play a solid D and, and keep hitting an open three or, or two, and uh, you're doing all right. I don't know about you guys. When the ball comes out of his hand, I, I typically feel pretty confident that it's going. Now, I, I got to think the team three-point percentage might be rising a little bit uh, with, with him shooting. They've, they've, with, yeah, with they've JD been really good the last two he's games. Been eating. Yeah. And even Mike got they, they had a long way like, to go, though. Oh, yeah. They had a long yeah. way to go, though. <laughs> I mean, we talked about, you know, getting back to a respectable number because that was, that was like 27%. From the season as a team, I mean, they might they, they might just now be at thirty, maybe thirty percent. Yeah, maybe the red the Reds batting average looked at that number and went, Ooh, <laughs> it's not good. It's not good, guys." Um, but no, so it's, I, I mean, it's on two things. One, go ahead. This is your show. I'll, I'll turn the camera off. It's all you, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> well, two things. I mean, we've made a lot of. We've commented a lot about depth, but generally teams near the end of the season, the bench shrinks and you get to about seven or eight guys that say that this is it. This is, these are the guys that are going to take me forward. Now we, our hand has been forced because, well, we're pretty much down to seven or eight scholarship guys. <laughs> that, that's but, all that are there. But I'm not sure. I never saw any. I got nervous when you know we got foul trouble and I'm like, well, hell, what who are we gonna go to? Because vote Williams are sitting on the bench with four fouls. But it worked out. And so I'm not sure having eight solid guys is a problem. And along those lines, kind of looking forward to Memphis, who starts against Memphis? Yeah. I think you keep it the same way it was today. The way it started. I think you keep it the, the same. Way it ended. No, the way it started. So you start I, mean, I still with... think you're, you're not you're not benching Keith and Vote at this point in time, just because the other guys played well down the stretch of this game. Um, okay, Memphis has got some big physical and, dudes too. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Memphis is large and long. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. that's what she said. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. Keith, you want to deal with him? I don't. I don't have any. <laughs> uh, late arrival, and he's sitting in his laundry closet again. It's fine. Is there a toilet in there? Is there all? Is it also a bathroom, or is it just laundry room? Nope, just a laundry room. Okay. You gotta find. It. Do you have young children? Uh, nope. No, he is. He is the young children. Nope, I, uh, I, live, I, live, I live with my mom. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron, give us your take. Um, I was happy to see everything that happened tonight. Uh, good to see, you know, the kids running and playing hard, you know, hard-fought win. Um, it was crazy to see, you know, the seniors come out and the kids do their thing. Um, and, I, I mean, it, I was I was super stoked, you know, just – with all the turmoil we've seen go on. And I, I feel like this one was, you know, kind of for DDJ. So, um, you know, that, I mean, just plenty of heart that was left all out on the court tonight. Good to see the fans back. Good to see 
you know, I mean, I feel like the refs kind of let the kids play. I mean, I think that was exemplified, especially uh, late in the game when uh, Banksy was, uh, he was fouled going up, but they didn't give him the uh, the line there with, I don't know, like seven seconds left in the game. But uh, Sam Martin can't let that kid with the headband back him down like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be addressed in practice. tomorrow. I hope that they laugh Come their on, ass Sam. off in that video when they, when they watch the video, watch the tape as a, as a team. I hope they all laugh. So what would I? What would you have told me, Aaron, if before this game I said that the combination of Micah, Jeremiah, Tari, and Mason would go for 20, 30, 40, 50, 50, 64 points? I would have asked you if I had – I mean, are you texting me this or are you, are you calling and telling me that? Probably texting. Well, then I would have asked if I had you and Brent mixed up in my phone as contacts. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. The the BBP chat, you would have been like, new phone, who dis? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who are you and what did you do with Chad? Because you are not an optimist, my friend. I am I'm not I, I am a very much a realist. A realist that that, that is not an optimist. And that's okay. Brent, there, Brent is a little overly optimistic at times. He you, is more than enough wrong. For, for both of us. It's more than enough for everybody in this room. <laughs> oh boy! But yeah, I I think it was good well, to see. Well, go ahead. What do you got? Like I said, I, I think it was good to see everything that happened tonight. Um, you know, you saw a lot of whispers about kids transferring and just a lot of bullshit on on plenty of social media. So I mean, you know, for one night, anyway. Who who knows what tomorrow may bring? But at least for one night. We got to see all these kids play wearing the city on their chest, and they did a damn good job tonight. Yep, they did. Very much, very much so. Sorry. Yep. You working? Yes. I figured. Got to. Sometimes you get text messages. Sometimes hey. you got stuff you got to. Stuff you got to deal with. Is it Keep Brent? an eye on my Twitter here soon. Is it, is it Brent on his birthday sending you drunken birthday texts? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. How about, how about, seriously, how about winning a game where the opponent has a guy go for 37 on 9 of 15 from the floor, 7 of 10 from 3, and 12 of 15 from the line? And You see, he hasn't won a game like that since Trayvon Blewett scored 100 uh, and, and <laughs> UC still won the crosstown shootout, well, and they still were bitching about calls, like the the coach, like that's that's Ron. Hunter that's works, Ron. That's how Hunter he is. Works the refs in this game he constantly. Yeah, just I couldn't Don't believe that they were allowing him to get that close. I couldn't believe they were allowing him well, to the get one that time, close with the with the with the mask on his chin. So I don't even know why he had a yeah, mask on his ears. <laughs> but you know he he's it, within like two feet of the ref yelling at him way out of his box. Like, what are you doing, man? Get, get, get in the box. How are you well, not? He was actually, that, that was the play where, uh, Tari spiked the kid on the chase down block and the kid crumpled into a heap, uh, without being touched. And then the officials went to the monitor to see if it was a flagrant foul and realized they're idiots. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't blame Ron there because he legitimately was trying to go over and check on his kid to see if he was okay. 
and Tony Green wasn't allowing him to do it. So Tony Green sucks. Um, but I didn't fault him too much. The optics of it were bad, but Tony Green just and and the reason it was the reason it was like that is because he got a bench warning because for some reason he was just standing in the Cincinnati coaching box at, at one point in the first half. Yeah. He was out of their coaching box. He was across half court and he was like two feet from John Brandon. Ron, what are you yeah. doing? And they turned around to him like, get your ass 40 feet back that way. <laughs> it was wild. I had no idea how would, they were allowing him to just openly bitch that much and just wall out the way that I've not seen a coach against Cincinnati do all, all season. So the, the, the thing with Ron is he's a hilarious human being. I'm sure. So he is probably going to get the benefit of the doubt from officials more often than not, just because if you spend five minutes talking to him, you walk away with your face hurting. And I know I've told this story before, but if you remember when he was at IUPUI, his son was playing at Indianapolis Pike high school. He was playing with Marcus Teague and Christian Smith, Christian Smith, uh, committed to Cincinnati, but that wasn't ever going to happen unless Marcus Teague came with him. <laughs> I so when that. Teague, yeah. but so everybody knew RJ was probably going to go play for his dad, right? The only other school that was really actually involved with RJ Hunter was, was Cincinnati because Mick had had such a good relationship with their high school coach and he had seen RJ a bunch because he was recruiting Teague so hard. Um, so at one point in RJ's like sophomore going into his junior year, his dad comes into his room and he's like, RJ, I'm going to need you to need you to clean your room, bro. And RJ's like, all right, I'll get it done. As soon as I get done, I'm going to call coach Davis at Cincinnati and commit to Cincinnati. And his dad's like, hey, clean your room. Not that important. <laughs> RJ held that over his head for, for like three years. Anytime his dad would ask him to do something, the response would be, okay, I'm going to com commit to Cincinnati when I get done uh, doing whatever it is that his dad wanted him to do. And, uh, oh, yeah, and his dad every time was like, you got me. You got me. But one of these days, you're going to commit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're not going to be able to hold me ransom anymore his dad is i mean if you remember he was the, the head coach at georgia state when uh they he blew out his achilles and he was that's, on the little that's where i recognized him yeah. from yeah 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 he, he is awesome. the biggest of big personalities he's he's, he's is, a really really good dude that is one of the signature highlights from the ncaa tournament as yeah well. yeah Literally, his, his, because it's his son. Yeah, it's his yeah. son that hits the shot, and he's coaching with a ruptured Achilles with a his chair. foot on a like a, a yeah chair, and he just loses it. No, Ron's Ron's awesome. I get why most coaches because like like even like Mick and Huggins and and a lot of those guys, those guys are assholes. Why do the <laughs> officials give them the benefit of the doubt? 
I don't think they gave Mick much of the benefit of the doubt. He did towards like once he became established, they did. But Ron, at least Ron's going to make you laugh for like 90% of the time that you're around him. He's the only coach like most coaches before games hide in the locker room until there's like three minutes to go. Right. As soon as the two lane team bus pulls up, Ron is out at the court interacting with whoever just might be around. And cracking up and telling jokes and laughing. And he's, he's, he really is a good dude. I don't think Mick started getting the calls until after his heart issues. No, <laughs> he didn't have heart issues. He had a brain yeah, issue. Brain right? issues. Kind of like, yeah, he, had, he had headaches. Kind of like you, Aaron. He's got brain issues. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he set that up, Keith. He put that on a tee and just that, asked me to hit it out of the park. Is that like a Mason Madsen Tari Easton alley oop where it just clangs yeah, off yeah, the backboard? Exactly, exactly yeah. like four, at 14 feet at the top corner of the backboard. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think what real what changed with Mick was that that uh, the 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 Teddy Valentine when Teddy tried to big time Mick and like get in his face and then Mick didn't back down and Mick was like, you're going to step to me. We're going to like, we I'm from the West side of Cincinnati. You just stepped to me like that. We're going to have to fight. Like <laughs> they're also like the same height. So <laughs> Teddy's a little bit taller than Mick. Not by much. That's not saying much I, being I, taller I, than Mick. He's, he's broader than <laughs> no. Mick. I'll say that. Teddy's pretty like I I yeah. actually I'm 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 he's all, like you know I I'm a guy that hates a lot of officials because I know that they're bad at their job. I actually like Teddy. I think yeah. Teddy for the most part calls a really good game. It's makes, just the the theatrics yeah, of everything makes it about himself. Puts such a spotlight on him yeah. that people are going to hate him. But if yeah, you I mean, get down to like the brass tacks of Teddy calling games, he's actually pretty good. Uh, outside of like everybody else, he loves his charge call. Yeah, you don't get a moniker like TV Teddy without the theatrics. He yeah, he loves his charge hey, call. No, Teddy Valentine. TV Teddy Valentine. I've met him a few times at like AAU events because they have guys like him come in and like grade and rate officials uh, right. at AAU events. So I've had the chance to talk to him some. He's really not that bad of a dude. He's actually a pretty good dude. He calls yeah, a but, decent game, I I think, except yeah. for the charge stuff. But everybody's calling charge right now, so that's a whole different. Oh, speaking story. of which, tonight, and I only noticed it because I mean, so many times Keith Williams gets charged call for a charge. Tonight, he actually made a drive to the basket, and the other guy called for a block. I was like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Only because the other guy literally just never got set. Like he wasn't even close. I don't know if you if they would have called that a charge, I might have come down from the 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 upper deck and had a few discussions with Tony Green on that one. But yeah, Keith has been on the the bad end of a charge whistle all year. No question. Anything else? We got anything else? Um, I was able to hop in for 15 (laughs) thoughts about Memphis. We started at nine Oh five. I, 
Who do we they need are to stop? So Jekyll and how Hyde. Do we, how do we beat Memphis? You you get them to turn it over. Okay. I mean, you've got to pressure them a little bit, especially it's so weird because they've become such a home dominant program. Like they are just a completely different team most of the time on the road. When they're playing in their, their building, they're really, really good. And they get so sloppy when they play outside of Memphis. Uh, I don't think they they had a couple guys that, that they and Tulane had a little um, – altercation at the end of their game the other night I think it was almost all I don't think there was a fight so there was no punches there was no like actual uh physical altercation so nobody is going to be out for Sunday to my knowledge those are typically um like guys leaving the bench during a, a scrum or whatever that is not uh that does not cost you the next game. Okay. That is just you get kicked out of that game. So I, they should be at full strength as far as I know. Uh, they've got a lot of talent. I mean, Quinones is really good. Nolly. Um, Nolly. Yeah, Landers Nolly. Landers Nolly, who uh, I saw a couple summer, like back in his high school days. He, he just flat out demolished an event in uh, – in South Carolina that was like, holy crap, who is this guy? He's carried it over, but he's a little, he's a little meme-y. Uh, That's why I left. I mean, it, the guy was averaging 16 points a game at Virginia Tech and left because he, he didn't think he was enough of the focus of the offense. They've, they've got <laughs> half a dozen guys. that could, They've got half a dozen guys that can go double digits on you at any given moment between Nolly, yeah, I mean, El, Nolly Ellis, uh, Williams, Canones, like you said, uh, DJ Jeffries, um, Lomax, like, I mean, any of these guys over the last, I mean, I'm just quickly looking up the last like five games or so, and all of them have hung up double digits a, a couple times. They have a lot of firepower. They have a lot of length. They have a lot of athleticism, but they can be very, very sloppy. So you want to, you've got to make them uncomfortable. You cannot let them, especially in the half court, get into a flow because they don't really it's a lot of ISO stuff. It's a lot of, you know, basic NBA level stuff, but they are scoring. They are not, they're not going to get 61 points or whatever between four guys against Memphis. They also run. Deep. I think right now. Yeah. They've got a lot of, a lot of dudes. So you can, I, I would imagine, especially with Cincinnati playing tonight, today and then having to come back Sunday I think you'll see a lot of uh, rolling bodies for Memphis to try to wear Cincinnati down as much as possible going into the second half. They run um, about their 10 defense. Guys. Yeah, their defense is outstanding, which has been the really weird thing for me because I I want to really like Penny as a coach because of how hard he gets his guys to play and because of the way that you get a team to play defense, but with that much talent. Like you can't be as inconsistent as they are on offense because they are just complete Jekyll and Hyde on the offensive end. You never know hmm. what you're going to get from them night to night. Aren't they pretty turnover? And then SMU. Turn oh yeah, they'll turn it over. They'll have those like 18, 20, 22 turnover games hmm. where they just chuck it all around like 
even if the other team isn't applying a bunch of pressure. We know what those look like because we've seen many of them this year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they will turn it over. Yeah, I'm thinking, I don't know. If that's the case, and Memphis traditionally has always been athletic. They're number two in the country in adjusted defense on Kempom. Okay. So we're going to need to make shots. That's for damn sure. They're uh, number 164 on offense. In all fairness, Tulane had the number three defense in the conference before tonight. That did not go well for them tonight. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm wondering, I don't know, this sounds like a bad game for vote to be playing a whole lot of minutes. I don't know. They've got a lot of size. They've got a, a, a pretty good deal of size. You're going to – I don't know that – you know, we, we talked about earlier with Tari that you see some issues with him when he's got to face teams that have that length and athleticism. Right. But the, the, the Memphis has got all of that length and athleticism in spades. So you're going to need vote, at least some, to hold down the fort. Yep, yep, yep. Well, maybe he doesn't get some of the cheap – Fouls called against him too, like he did against some of the smaller guys as well. Maybe. Uh, ask me Sunday at like uh, twelve o'clock when I figure out who the officials are. <laughs> I'll let you know. Well, I'd like to think for, we'd get some home calls for once. Like since we haven't had a whole lot of home games, we you know maybe now that we're home. When have you felt like Cincinnati got a good home whistle here? I'm just saying, maybe we, we don't get home calls. Maybe it happens. I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to put it out there in the world. Manifestation, right? You you put it out there in the world and you you're hope that it it happens. Manifestation. You're speaking it into existence. Just trying something different here. I do know I mean, this, but Keith Williams has got to stay out of foul trouble. We need every yeah. athletic body we can find. If Memphis is well, that they, deep, they've got two guys, and you you'll remember Dandridge from last year because Dandridge ate UC up in that game at Memphis uh, around the rim, and then Musa Cisse, who's a uh, freshman, six ten, and he is a big time rim protector. So they have six ten, six ten at the rim that are very much a problem. Hmm. Those standards at six nine, but very much a problem in terms of rim protection. I'd like to see Mamadou make the most out of his minutes too. I, th I feel like he was able to do that tonight. Um, you know, just contributing on things that don't necessarily make the stat sheet. And uh, I don't. He wasn't. At least he wasn't turning the ball over. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, if he can come in and, and do some things because he's he's essentially one of the eight. You know, I mean that that's going to make a huge difference, especially with well, all those big guys. Yeah, what's surprising for me with Memphis is they've got all that talent. They've only got two guys averaging double figures. But, and, but again, you can have you got so many guys that can put up double digits any given moment. You know, like I said, you got yeah five guys, two off the bench. Well, and, and and the big thing with them, even though their offense isn't ranked very highly, their top five guys all shoot above thirty five percent from three. So 39% from Nolly, 40% from DeAndre Williams, 41% from DJ Jeffries, 37% from Quinones, 
35% from Boogie Ellis. Um, and then the other two guys that actually take, you know, a limited amount, Lomax is at 35% and Damian Ball is at 35% as well. So while well, they he- are inefficient offensively, uh, a lot of bad drives to the rim, a lot of like uh, out of control play uh, in isolation, they can hit the three on you if you let them get hot. And they're only allowing opponents to shoot 26% from three on the season as a team. Even as you say that, I've got the stats pulled up in front of me right now, and I don't know if tonight's game has been incorporated into that or not, but Davenport averaging 10.1, Adams Woods averaging 7.4, Tari averaging 6.8. So, you know, you're talking about not having a whole lot of guys that score, you know, averaging double digits. But Yeah, but you're also talking about a roster that is completely different than the one that put those guys at their average production right their minutes have have skyrocketed right now because there's so many guys that that aren't around where to, to quote kevin johnson 100 percent, that is correct i don't get to listen to the home games you guys are so mean to kevin on that 100 percent thing <laughs> it's i mean it's it's become a drinking game I didn't know about that until tonight, and I'm mad that I wasn't the one who came up with it. But the fact that it's become a drinking game, man, I would have been way more drunk. I'm going to have to have a talk with him to let him know that, like, he's become a drinking game. And he also has different names for Micah Adams Woods. You might call him Micah Adam Woods, Micah. Ooh, I I have noticed I've heard I've heard Michael. I think he called him Michael Adam Wood today. It's, It's interesting. It's interesting to listen to him broadcast. Who did he say that he loved like a little brother today? Uh, Mikey probably. Was it That's what I was thinking. I think it might have been Mikey. He said he loved somebody like a little brother. And I'm like, how much interaction do you have with these dudes? Come on, man. (laughs) Or was that Sam Martin? Because he was talking about how (laughs) he went to Summit Country Day or something. It might have been him also. It probably was Sam. I well, don't know. Then Sam, it would make sense because he was kind of like a big, you know, like when that would be Kevin fair as a summit summit kid. I feel like it was before that because I, I remember that specific interaction where he was talking about Sam Martin in that way. Like, you know, how they went to the same high school and all that. But there was another point in the game that I feel like he was talking. I want to say it was Tari where he just said he loved him like a little brother. And I'm just like, how how much time do you really have with these guys? I want to say it was Jeremiah because he he's a local. Boy it may have too. it may have been Jeremiah. You, you might be right. Too. I think I don't know. It was Which weird, would also though. make sense because right. again, the Cincinnati basketball community is very small, and Kevin is a guy that played a ton for UC over the years is a pretty big part of it. So, and how old is Kevin? What he graduated in Five? sixteen or seventeen. So 20, 25, 26. Yeah, 25, 26, something he's, like that. He's, learn, he's learning the ropes. He's learning the, the broadcasting ropes. So he'll get there. He's got to sprinkle in a couple other things other than 100%. But, uh, you know, you got to get, get your feet wet somewhere. He's doing all right, in my opinion. I wonder if he's trying to make that his thing, like uh, the way that, you know, some, uh, what's his name? Kevin, uh, Kevin, something with his bang where he, on the TNT broadcast. Arlen, Kevin, Kevin Arlen. Yeah, Kevin Arlen. Um, you know, I, I don't, maybe that's, he's trying to make that his thing. I don't know. 100%. 100%. 100, 100%, Aaron. 100%. It's fine. All right. We all good here? Anybody got anybody, anything else they want to talk about? No? 
no, thanks, no. Thanks for letting me in, Dad. I thought about hitting no, like decline. What would you have done if I just declined your uh, your entry? I feel like that's probably a thought that goes through your head every time it says Aaron Smith has entered the chat. I mean, I, I, I created the podcast with like you as a, a part of it. So I would have a hard time like bumping you from that. Just but your performance <laughs> in this. Well, I mean, your performance in this podcast, one the, on the on the last episode uh, that nobody will ever hear. Keith was here. He knows what I'm talking about. The real 100%. ones now. 100% the real ones now. Uh, yeah, I thought about just hitting decline. And that I, to see the text I would have gotten after I told you no on coming into this, oh, I would have understood. I'm only on beer, I'm only on beer four. We're we're all good. <laughs> what was that? The AAC championship night? Yeah, that was the that was a bad night. Yeah, you yeah. were was a good not night. sober. That was the night. That it was, I was a good night. I was supposed to have my article to you before I went to bed and fell asleep writing said article. Yeah, you sent me like 83 words. It was like, a bad here's night. my post game recap for the Georgia game. Told you it was, was a bad like, night. I was like, why don't you wake up in the morning and try that again, son? Sure did. <laughs> That's behind the inner workings of BearcatJournal.com. Peek behind the curtain. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks to everybody coming in. Joe, uh, Jason, Keith. Uh, I, I'm not sure who the other guy's first name was that was participating a lot tonight. There were a couple others that, that popped in. Uh, thank you everybody for everything. Thanks. Thanks to the people for listening. Luke, Luke was part of it there for a while. Appreciate you, Luke. And, uh, you guys have a good night. We'll do one of these again soon as we get a little closer to the end of the year, but, uh, that'll wrap it up. It's the Holy grail happy hour right here on Bearcat Journal.